Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, this morning we start a new series. Uh, The last one we walked through, What is the Church? We talked about the things that define a church, worship, fellowship, mission. Today we're going to start a new series that's going to highlight and look at um, specifics as it pertains to the understanding of what we believe. Perhaps someone has asked you before, you know, what do you believe? I know you're a Christian. What do you believe? Or maybe they know that you attend this church, or maybe you've attended another church in the past. What does that church believe? What do they understand? What do they know? I will tell you, as a pastor, sometimes it's difficult to put together what's known as like an elevator speech and say, here are the things we believe. But if you are really good at that, let me just say, I'm I'm glad already that you are. But today, what we're going to do is start a journey through understanding the core tenets of what the church, not just CCWC, but what the church historically believes and what they understand. I'm going to start the sermon today with a fish story. Now, you know that I tell fish stories from time to time, and usually... The story includes me either losing a fish or catching a fish, right? Sometimes the fish vary in sizes. Today, however, this fish story is not one that actually includes me in the catching, releasing, or eating of any fish at all. Several years ago, I was with some friends visiting a friend that lived in San Diego, California. And uh, it's, it's good to have friends that live in destination points, I will tell you that. And we were there, we were visiting, and we wanted to see the sights, we wanted to to see all the different things, and one of the things that we wanted to do was obviously we're on the West Coast, we wanted to see the Pacific Ocean. I'd never seen it before, neither had anybody else we were with. And so we decided to go to a nearby beach, and the the friend referred us to a specific beach that wouldn't be extremely, uh, you know, overpopulated. It wouldn't be one where, you know, we would be walking around all the broken glass. It was just a nice beach. And so we went to this specific beach, and we found that there was a, a really neat attraction there. It was a pier. In fact, it was Ocean Beach Pier was the name of it. And it was later on in the evening as we started to walk out on this pier, and we noticed as we walked along there were people that were sitting and and, and just kind of looking at the sunset. There were some people that were there just uh, watching and gazing over the, the ocean. And then there were some people there that were on a mission. They were fishing, right? And as we walked down the pier, this big long pier, we we couldn't help but notice that there was some commotion near the end of the pier. And so as we got closer to the commotion, we recognized there were some fishermen down there that were attempting to conquer the day. In fact, what they were doing at this point was reeling in an enormous stingray. And these two guys, as they reeled in this stingray, I couldn't help but notice a few things about them. Number one, they were not your traditional fishermen. Not really sportsmen. They were just kind of, let's just get it done, right? I don't even know that they'd ever fished before. Number two, these guys were locals, so they, 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 they lived in the area. They even knew some of the other people that were out there. And number three, they were a little bit intoxicated. <laughs> Important to the story. And we get closer, we began to just kind of watch and, and kind of you know, just kind of move into and understand, be part of the moment. And myself and my, and my few friends, as we were standing there, we were watching what took place as they finally were able to get this stingray up, which the pier was, seemed like, 
you know, 10 stories high. As they finally were able to get this stingray up, the both of them, they get it onto the side of, uh, or on the, the, the pier base and they, uh, over the side, and it's sitting there for just a moment, and they just kind of gazed at it. And everybody that's there is just kind of looking at this huge stingray. And at that point, it, it dawned on them that they had to get this thing off of the line and in, back into the water. But because they weren't necessarily fishermen and because they weren't necessarily in their right mind, they didn't know exactly how to do it. There were a couple guys there that tried to give them some information, here, do this, here, do that, and they didn't really follow that. And eventually, what I found they started to do was just try to kick the fish until maybe the hook would fall out. And what took place is the fish didn't like that. In fact, the fish attempted to fight back even though it was on land, and eventually... In one of their kicks, the guy got stabbed in the side of the foot with the barb of the the stingray and eventually had to be taken to the hospital. The fish did live, went back in the water. It was free. It's probably out there today telling the same story on the other side, right? (laughs) And at that point, I thought, man, that was really interesting. These guys, you know, this story that they gave me is one that I'll always remember. It was exciting. It was fun. Let us fast forward to three weeks ago. I um, will admit something. I like to watch The Wheel, and I like to watch Jeopardy. You can pray for me if you want to. It's okay. I even like to watch the lotto numbers in the middle and try to guess them. I don't ever play, but sometimes I'm close. And during the first break, after the first commercial break, I couldn't help but realize one of the guys looked really familiar on the show. This is a true story. And as I watched the, 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 each of the people, each of the contestants talk, that normally the host will ask them some specific questions, something directly, the third person began to share about a story when he was out on a pier and caught an enormous stingray. (laughs) Now let me tell you, the details of this story were very similar to the details I shared with you, except for one main thing. There was no kicking. Instead, there was this masterful success where he and his friend held up the stingray and eventually it stabbed into him as they were releasing it gently into the water. And it got away. Now, let me just say, he looked familiar. It could have been him. My wife swears it's not. But let me tell you, there's one story that took place, two huge perspectives. As we look at what we believe, what we understand, what we know, there are many different ways to look upon the truth. There are many different perspectives. There are many different relative ways to understand Scripture. But there is only one truth. And so as we aim to understand what we believe, we are going to use Scripture as our absolute truth. Theology is important. Accountability is important. Doctrine is important. Christian history is important. We must all listen and understand and know and not fall prey to the heresy and relativism of our age. So with this in mind, this series examines the Scripture, it'll examine the Apostles' Creed, it'll examine the Wesleyan Articles of Faith as a means to learn and to remember what we believe. 
Theology is defined in its simplest terms as the study of nature, of God, and religious belief. Today and throughout this series, we are going to study God and religious belief. And the first class I had in theology in my undergrad, the professor, Pastor, or Dr. Dave Smith, made us all say something. And the understanding that we were going to study together made us all say something. And this, this one phrase he would say would go like this. Repeat after me, I am a theologian. Okay, we're going to do it again. That was, that was decent. Those of you online, thank you. I know that you were screaming it. Ready? Here we go. I am a theologian. I saw some of you not moving your mouth. So the ventriloquist in the room, just put that on hold for a minute. We're actually going to say it together one more time. You ready? I am a theologian. Now, whether you know it or not, the study that we're walking through today and the studies that you have in Scripture and about God would indicate that you are a theologian. It seems like a big term. seems like something that's like, no, that's just for the people that work at, at the universities or, or that, that live in a monastery. That's not the case. We all are going to study, and therefore we are all theologians. I'm not one that believes that, that there's not specific roles within the church. There are specific roles within the church, but there's also an understanding of the priesthood of all believers, which means that we all have equal right. We all are part of this body. Today we discuss the Trinity or the triune God, the interwoven God of, of, of the Godhead that we just sang about, three uh, persons in one being. The Wesleyan Discipline 2016 uh, uh, Paragraph 210 reads like this, We believe in the one living and true God, both holy and loving, eternal, unlimited in power, wisdom, and goodness, the creator and preserver of all things. Within this unity, there are three persons of one essential nature, power and eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is the cornerstone for faith, and we're going to walk through this journey today to understand why the, 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 the Trinity matters. You know, this is a, this is a diff, difficult nut to crack in a lot of ways, because what happens is when we don't fully understand something, especially in faith, is we say, okay, well, maybe one day you'll get this when you get to heaven, or on the other end, you might try to figure it out, and when you do, you put God into a box. Let me just say, we're not going to put God into a box today, and we're not going to say, take it on faith. Instead, what we're going to do is establish, okay, there is a trinity from Scripture, we can find that, and how it impacts our lives. The basic biblical uh, impact of why there is a trinity and what it does and what the, why the doctrine matters to me, matters to you. John is uh, uh, the, the, uh, the author, the disciple, the apostle John is one that brings forth the clearest understanding of what the trinity means. We're going to look at two of John's writings today, specifically uh, as it pertains to, to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and how they relate to one another. If you want to read along with me today, I'm going to start in John chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to walk through this to try to look at a biblical basis for the Trinity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made and has been made, that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. 
The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world and, and was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own was not, has, did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 1 here is fundamental just as we start. I mean, right off the bat, John starts with something very puzzling. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, that language right off the bat is kind of interesting. It would be like me coming up and saying, Hi, my name is Steve, and I'm also with Steve. Probably if I were to say that, first of all, you, you would wonder if I was all here. At the same time, you might ask some follow-up questions, and this is a strange way to speak. How can you be something and also be with something? How can you be someone and also be with someone? John 1.1 actually points towards this understanding of a relationship between God the Father, the Creator of all, and God the Son, Jesus Christ, who came as a means for all of us to experience salvation. The Greeks would have understood the word word to be spoken or written or not written yet, maybe even as a, as, a, as a sense of reason, what I understand, what I know. But at the same time, John was reading also to the Jews who would understand it to mean God. In fact, if you look at it in, in uh, the um, English translation, the New Testament that I, or the NIV that I read out of, it's uh, in capital. Word is capital because it's referring to a person, Jesus. Back down in 14, it actually says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word his there is important as well because it refers to the fact that the word is a person. The word manifests through a person. John's trying to communicate how Jesus relates to the creator and first and foremost starts here. In the triune God, there is unity and distinction. Get this, there is unity and there is distinction. That's an interesting point. You know, you might hear or have heard this before uh, when you see a, a father and a son or even a mother and a daughter or a grandfather and a grandson. You, sit, you hear someone say, or you may have even said, that is a spitting image of that person, right? Now, the best I can do as far as an illustration here is, is understanding that there is a resemblance there is a, 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 a common resemblance, a common look, a common practice, even a common family. However, there are two distinct people there. In God, there is unity and distinction or diversity. The Word was God. The Word was with God. And later Jesus says in John 14, 15 through 21, I'll read this, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. It will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see, but you will see me. 
because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus talks about the fact that one will come, and we read about that over the context of the last series, looking at what the church is. In, in Acts chapter uh, 1 and 2, we see the early church, we see the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the impact that that had. Three persons relating together. The, uni- the unity of the Trinitarian theology is this. It's a being or essence of the same. It's, not, it's of the same substance, not a created being. God the Father didn't create Jesus. He didn't create the Holy Spirit. Instead, they were all there at the beginning. They were all here to come, but they all have their own distinct purpose within the relationship, their own diversity or distinction in multiple persons. John's trying to say, or he's trying to communicate that unity and distinction, one, one being in three persons— they share the same essence, but distinct in their persons. And here's, here's how they relate to one another. And this is, this is fundamental for moving to how it relates to us. This is how they relate to one another, through divine love. God the Father and God the Son, God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Spirit, and God the Father divine, relate to one another through divine love, something we'll revisit later. But before we move on, I want to read one more thing. It says in verse 2, He was with God in the beginning. Wasn't created by God the Father in the beginning. Instead, he was with God in the beginning, right next to him. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Get this, Jesus is in some ways, reflecting himself as the spitting image of God the Father. He is, he, is, he is illuminating the Creator by bringing the light through salvation. Sometimes we forget this because there's such a small amount of, of reflection upon it, but God created the world perfect to begin with. And without the Savior, Jesus, coming, that perfection will never be able to be obtained by a broken and fallen creation. And so what Jesus does as he comes to, to emulate that and to give that divine love is to reveal to us a new way to gain perfection in the sight of our God, the Father. The pattern and the nature of God is observed through the relationship of the Trinity. So this divine relationship, let's look at that for just a moment. This will be in your note guide. I'll, I'll give them to you uh, real quick together. The first one is the Father is the creator of earth. It's imp- important to note that each one has a role. It's not like, okay, the Father did this, the Son did this, and the Holy Spirit just kind of is along for the ride. That's not the case. Instead, the, the Father is the creator of the earth. Well, hold on a moment. Pastor Eric, what's well going done. on here? We are, we are marching around the Battle of Jericho. You didn't count seven trumpeters and the Ark of the Covenant. And yeah, we've got to do some marching. 
to tear down some walls, that is for sure. We're talking about confidence and confidence in knowing who we are in God. And sometimes God asks us to do crazy things, but his plan, his plan is always the best plan. And sometimes marching around a city is a silly way to show how amazing God is, right? But he chose to do it. He chose to march around a city instead of fighting a city. So we're marching today. Interesting. Interesting. So does everybody know, this is Pastor Eric. He's a children's pastor Hello. here. Hello. Nice to meet you. Um, Thank you, security, for not tackling yeah. us. Um, I, I am, I'm blown away by the, the lesson you're teaching here, and it's interesting how it kind of fits into what we're talking about here. Yeah. Sometimes, well, uh, timing is everything, right? Okay. And sometimes as we talk about the things that have taken place in life, I was just talking about the Creator and how He created the world perfect. Yeah. But what took place was man decided to, and woman decided to step in and to bring forth this thing called sin. Yeah. And when that sin entered in, there was an interruption that was not necessarily understood or was not, it was not necessarily in the playbook for God when he created the world, yeah. but a solution came. And as a matter of fact, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. We're going to talk about that solution as we go. <laughs> but it's interesting that you came in and I, and I appreciate I appreciate you bringing these children in here and bringing forth an opportunity for us to not only be distracted, but, be, but our, our minds to be open to what God's doing. Amen. I'm proud of these kids for being willing to be embarrassed for God, right? <laughs> for a sermon illustration. So, amen. Thank you, Pastor All right, Eric. thank you. Let's go. Trumpeters, sound off. Trumpets. Come on, everybody. Let's sound off with them. So if you saw your children or grandchildren in there, you make sure you ask them about what they learned today. <laughs> Getting back to where we were, God created the world perfect, and then an interruption came. <laughs> well done, Jesus, right? We didn't start the fire. Maybe we did. He didn't start the fire. The second one is this, the Son is the author of divine love on earth. So once that interruption came, there was some type of, of sacrifice for this broken creation offering a way out of the fire. We didn't start the fire, but we have a way out because of Jesus. So. And then finally, the Spirit is the power on earth, the advocate who provides, the one who presides and gives us the power to be able to step out, provided the power to put out the fire. So we didn't start the fire, but Jesus came, Holy Spirit gave us one in Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, so that's, that's how the song goes. In essence, John's making this existence of the Holy Spirit quite, quite clear. There is a Holy Spirit, or, or there is a, a Holy Trinity, excuse me, there is a Holy Spirit, there is a God the Father, there is a Jesus the Son. The question, though, is for many, because it's not necessarily, I mean, you might not fully understand how they work or how they function. But the question is for many, why does it even matter? Why does it matter that there is a, a, a trinity? Why does it matter that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? It matters, and I'll tell you. Today we're going to explore that, but why does it matter? I want to read from 1 John. John uh, wrote, wrote some more, uh, wrote some letters in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 or verse 7, excuse me, reads like this. God's love and, and others. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he is in, and, and he in us He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If everyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Verse 16b reads like this, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him, in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In the world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. Would we, like, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And finally, in verse 19 through 21, it reads like this. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Verse 4, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse 8, and then again in, in 16, God is love. Romans 5 reads like this, 5, 6 and through 8 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is defined by love, and and he is the source. Yet, yet the understanding is this. The concept of love requires two persons. Two persons. The lover and the beloved. I'm talking about real love here. I'm talking about authentic love, not love like, oh, I love pizza or I love... I'm talking about real authentic love. Love requires two persons, the lover and the beloved. And here's why the Trinity is important. The first nugget right here. If there were not three persons in the Godhead, God would not be the author of love because love existed before creation. Before God made us, love was there. Before anyone was made, there was an object of divine love, and that divine love was the persons, the three persons of the Godhead being reflected upon one another. So who does God love? The Father loves the Son and the Spirit. The Son loves the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father and the Son. And that took place before we were even thought of. 
We can only say that God is eternally and infinitely love if God is the Trinity. Otherwise, God would be an exi- or love would be an existent thing that comes. There would be no divine love. There would be no eternal love. Love would be something that is only here for the amount of time that we are on this planet or the amount of time that time exists. No, divine love operates and exists outside of what we know, of what we experience, of what we see here. And the only way that it's possible is because it originated with the Godhead. If there's no Trinity, there's no love. I'm going to ask Jordan to come up and play as we kind of uh, move into the final portion of this, this sermon. And, and I, I want us to really think about this. How does it apply to our life? How does defined love apply to your life? The Trinity is a cornerstone in faith. The Trinity is a cornerstone in understanding who God is and what he's done. How does it apply? Why does love apply to our life? Why does the Trinity apply to our life? We can only know love because, and only because, we live in a world made by the Trinity. In fact, the final point is this. The God who created and demonstrated perfect love has invited you to love one another and to participate in an experience of perfect love with him. So why does the Trinity matter? How does it matter? Because your relationships with each other and your relationship with God while centered with divine love, could only be made possible if the Trinity exists. In your relationships, God's inviting you to embody his his eternal, perfect love with those around you. At the same time, you're invited to experience perfect love with the triune God. I mean, in fact, that's what salvation is about. It's not just about the forgiveness of sins and, and, and taking that moment to, to, to repent. While that is a big portion of it, there's also this portion where God says, I want to have a deeper and a greater relationship with you. One that you can only experience because of divine love. The triune God de- describes or desires to make us participants, you and I participants, in the love that he created. So just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in, in prayer. I want to take a, a moment for us to reflect. I'm going to close in prayer. But what I want to do this morning, I think, as we launch this new series, while it might seem like, oh, this we believe, this is going to be like a heady series. It's going to be one that's about like cognitive thought and trying to process things. I want us to recognize the fact that there is this great balance between understanding things here and experiencing them here. For God created us not just with a body, but with a spirit. And he wants to link, connect. He wants to engage in a deep love with each person that he created. That goes far beyond our brain, far beyond our our thought life, far beyond our, our bodies itself. And while there will be content that we're going to walk through in this series... It will, it will be an applicable content to our spiritual journey, our spiritual walk. Earlier, Pastor Eric came through with the kids and brought forth what was a planned interruption, but an interruption no less. 
And most of the time, interruption gets a bad rap, right? It's like, it's this negative connotation where you're interrupting me in the middle of this or in the middle of that. I'm trying to read or I'm trying to get this work done or I'm trying to have this conversation and someone or something is interrupting. Let me just say right now, perhaps the Holy Spirit, one of the members of the Godhead, is attempting to interrupt your life this morning. Perhaps this morning you are sitting here thinking, I've never experienced this divine love. Maybe you've, you've asked for repentance in your life, but you've never really walked into this new love, this, this, this love that, that passes all understanding, this love that, that is far greater than, than, the, than the, the definition that we may read about in uh, the dictionary. A love that is selfless, a love that gives all, a love that bears all, a love that speaks truth, a love that gives grace. Perhaps you've never experienced the love that, that, that the Son, Jesus, came and, and ultimately experienced and demonstrated through dying on a cross for each one of us. Maybe you didn't come here today expecting to have more than simply just a, a fellowship time and a cup of coffee with, with uh, your fellow congregants. Maybe you, you came here today and you thought, well, I'm just going to kind of check this off for the week. This is what I do on Sunday morning. This is my normal thing. Maybe you tuned in today saying, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of passively watch this while I uh, iron my clothes or get ready for the week. I don't know where you came in today or how you came in or what your posture was. Let me just say, maybe today God wants to interrupt what's going on in your life so that you can experience something far greater than you ever have. And there's no, well, I've been going to church my whole life, so I already know all this or I already get all this. God's not done with you. He's not done with me. He wants to take us deeper than we could ever imagine. He wants to know him in a far greater way than we knew yesterday. He wants us to know his divine love. I mean, this is an awesome way to start this series, and maybe it'll be an awesome way for you to start this series too if this is the moment in which you allow the interruption to break through and you finally give God all. Because love is all. Love is sold out. Love is not halfway. We all know that. You don't want to have a relationship where you love someone and they only love you halfway. No, love is all, and Christ wants to do that with us. He wants us to walk through that with him. Maybe this is the interruption. I want to give you a moment to reflect, a moment to think about, a moment to allow the Spirit to speak to you, and then we're going to close in prayer. And as we do, I'm going to ask this morning at a certain point, when everyone's with their head bowed and, and, and no one's looking around, I'm going to ask if you this morning want to receive, maybe for the first time, or maybe a, 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 a new portion, or maybe you're, you've been wayward for a while and you, you want to come back and you say, yes, I, I, I realize I've been living my own way. I've been doing my own thing. Maybe this morning you say, hey, I, would, I, want, to, I want to rededicate. If that's you, I want to encourage you to raise your hand so that God might see that we might in return. And that's, that, that moment can be one where you can say, hey, look, I succumb to the interruption the Spirit had for me. So would you bow your head in reflection for a moment and allow the Spirit to speak?
Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. I thank you that we have far beyond anything that you have done, but simply in awe of who you are. You are all-powerful. You are sovereign. You are good. And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and for his action to live out what it means to love. We thank you for the demonstration in your relationship of the Trinity, God, for the power that you send through your Holy Spirit that still exists, that is still here, that still dwells among us as your church. God, this morning as we look at something as, as fundamental and basic and, and, and historic as the understanding of the Trinity, God, what an amazing thing it is to realize and recognize the fact that it still impacts us today impacts our relationship with one another and our relationship with you. And God, this morning, if there's one or two or ten or everyone here, God, that that has heard or is listening to the call of your spirit, Father, I pray that we would not reject. I pray that we would not say, I'll take care of that tomorrow, or this interruption is unneeded in this moment, or I've got other things I need to do, or other things on my mind first, other things I need to accomplish. God, I pray that we wouldn't come up with any excuse, but we would allow your divine interruption to permeate within us and to bring forth real change. God, I want to to reflect and transition now and pray for those who may this morning be making a commitment to you. And I want to ask if you're here today in this room or even joining online to raise your hand. If this is a morning, this is a day where you're saying, I am open to your change. I am receiving your love afresh and anew, or maybe for the first time. If that's you, put your hand up right now as if to say, God, this is me. I'm saying yes to you. I'm open to your will. I'm open to your way. Thank you. Hands all around. God, I pray for those that put their hand up and I pray for those who, who have responded, who have said yes to you, who say this is the moment, whether it be for the first time or whether it be part of their journey, however that looks, God, whatever it is, Father, you are moving, you are changing, you are transforming. And I pray that they would be knowledgeable and understanding of that. I pray that their hearts would be open. I pray, God, for a, 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 a protection for them, just as we know that as soon as someone takes a step forward, Satan is there to attempt to try to knock them down or, or fool them into thinking that nothing took place. God, I pray that you would have your angels around them protecting and guiding and leading. God, I pray that your spirit would would permeate within them and bring forth a new day so that it's not look at how I used to be or looking back or or questioning the call or questioning the day, but instead, Father, it's, it's marching forward because of the way that you transform and you change. God, I also pray for those that maybe are struggling with something today and didn't raise their hand. They're, they're maybe frustrated with God. They're upset. They haven't received this love. They don't know this love. God, I pray that you would bring forth a sense, a new day, a sense of, 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 of change, of transformation, that you would not be done with them yet, but God, but you would continue to reveal yourself. God, we thank you for your continued presence. We thank you for the way that you continue to, to change and transform, the way that you continue to engage. You are not done with us yet. And each member of the Godhead, each member, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each play a specific role in understanding of how we can grow, how we can know you, how we can glorify you, and how we can engage as your church. 
And so God, I pray for us as we leave this place or as we turn off the live feed today, that we would step forward with a blessing and knowledge of understanding that your spirit goes with us, lives inside of us should we allow him to. That as we march forward, as we step forward, we do so with your power, with your provision, with your love. It's in your precious and perfect and holy name that we pray. Once again, all God's people said, amen, amen. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about how he continues to move in our midst. And I pray, I pray that each one of us would be open to his leading. Go with God this morning. He'll go with you. Be blessed and know that he loves you. Go in peace. You're dismissed. time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.